0: Hey everybody. Welcome to another episode of Traveling Through Space. And today I'm excited to welcome Mark Johnston. Um, AZ astro guy on social media. And you are a NASA solar system ambassador based in Arizona. So welcome to this episode.
1: Thank you very much.
0: Um, yeah, and and you are heavily involved in in public outreach. Um, as you said, you did around 527 events last year, which is amazing. Um mm-hmm. And um, you know you you've been interested in astronomy for a while, uh, as you say, uh, from your mother's womb. Um, <laughs> and we'll definitely get into some of that inspiration and motivation, and how you go about sharing that uh, love of the universe with with everybody else. Um, right. And uh, and you started doing public out- outreach, uh, you know, since the '90s. So you've been involved in this space for a while. Um, and and that's definitely a fascinating journey um so did i miss anything in, in that highlight that people should know about you
1: uh well yeah as i say i started doing public outreach uh early 1990s and that was traditionally as people do it with the telescope and people you know line up and look in the eyepiece and you can show them planets and the moon and maybe some of the brighter deep space objects and it wasn't really until COVID happened that it actually had a significant impact so You know, COVID obviously changed everything for everybody. And one of the things it meant was we couldn't do traditional uh, star parties in the evening because people had to be physically separated from each other. And I was aware of a new technology where you put a camera to replace the eyepiece in your telescope. And then the camera sends information to a laptop, which then can send to a, a PC screen or a monitor. And so people can stand back in separate little clusters away from each other, and they can all look at the television and see the object that the telescope was looking at. So it allowed me to maintain doing public outreach even during COVID, which was great, and uh, without worrying about people being adjacent to each other. And I also found that there were a lot of advantages in addition to the physical separation that having the camera allowed you suddenly to see things in color and you could see more detail you'd see spiral arms and galaxies whereas before you, in the telescope you'd see a little smudge at the core that's all you would see see right. far more detail in the nebula and globular clusters and of course the moon and so on so it really gives you a much better view of the night sky as well as uh, being a big advantage for people who are uh disabled for example if you're the elderly uh, or they're very young, they don't really know how to look in the telescope without their glasses or whatever, And but everyone can look at a TV screen easily. So it's a lot easier for some folks to participate, and uh, it became kind of the go-to way. I can still do both ways, obviously, but uh, i pretty much always doing this electronic uh, uh, astronomy method now, and it works very well.
0: That's awesome. Um- and, and your handle, the easy astro guy, uh, is, is, first of all, it's an awesome name. Um, it, you're clearly putting out that, that, you know, you're from Arizona and, and you are in, uh, one of the ones who are interested in, in astronomy. Um, but I think uh, the social media algorithms have also found you. Um, so you're prioritized when anybody searches for space. Um, and it's very easy to find your work. Um, so congrats on building that brand. Um, which as you're saying, that it has evolved during the covert years,
1: it's funny, yeah. Thank you for that. Um, I, I originally came up with the name AZ Astro Guy, as you said, for Arizona Astro Guy, but it's funny how many people think it means A to Z Astro Guy, like everything oh. from A to Z. <laughs> right? So, I guess it's got a dual, un, unintended dual meaning.
0: <laughs> That's awesome, but uh, yeah.
1: So, I, I found that social media was a way for me to extend my ability to. You know, my mission basically is to educate and inspire the next generation of scientists and engineers, and also educate the public on their place in the cosmos and try to instill a sense of you know beauty and wonder and curiosity about the night sky. And social media allows me to put photographs I've taken with my telescopes or some of my public events up there, and um, I find that people find it quite interesting to see the night sky in perhaps ways they haven't seen it before. And you know I try to interact with people when they have questions and and respond rapidly and and uh answer you know questions that may be simple for anyone in astronomy but for the layperson it's all new and uh that's worked out very well for me i've got about sixty five thousand followers in different platforms
0: yeah that's definitely significant um and a lot of interaction a lot of reshare. so i'm sure like the the out the reach the actual reach is is significant there as well so Mm -hmm. that's that's definitely uh awesome um so uh i thought we'll we have lot of uh, topics to cover uh, but i thought we'll start with the easy one uh, which is what inspires you and and it definitely can be different for everybody when they look up but uh, if you have a few words to uh, on the feeling that you have when when you're looking through looking up
1: well i guess i have to distinguish between when i'm doing an outreach event or when i'm on my own so in yeah. an outreach event um as i said before i want to educate public, and I want to instill a sense of curiosity and wonder and and show what's happening right above their, their eyes they don't even know is up there. And people are amazed at the beauty of the galaxies and nebulism when I explain uh, how small our position is in the universe compared to what they might think on the Earth. You know, the Earth is basically trivial in the big picture when you look at the number of stars right. in the Milky Way and the number of galaxies like the Milky Way, which is basically insignificant out there. And then when I'm on my own, um, I, uh, I try to get out to a dark site. And in fact, I'd encourage anyone who's at all interested in this topic to make, make an effort on a night when there's no moon in the sky to get away from the city and drive for an hour or so and get up to a, a park or somewhere uh, in the desert or the forest or mountain where you've got no city lights and no other bright lights around. And just take a look up at the sky, and if you've never had that experience before, it's really well worth the trip. It's a spectacular, awe-inspiring view to see the the Milky Way above you and the hundreds of millions of stars in the sky. It's uh, it's quite wonderful. So just that whole feeling uh still hasn't escaped me. I uh, I'm still after doing it thousands of times. I still love the view of the dark light night sky, and uh, and then of course I try to capture that and it's always a learning experience i've been doing astrophotography for several years but there's still more and more to learn and which i really enjoy it's good mental exercise to get better at taking the pictures and to get better at processing the pictures so you can provide you know the best image that your equipment can capture
0: yeah yeah that's definitely true and and technology keeps evolving it keeps getting better and getting yeah, uh sure. getting min, 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 miniaturized as well in some ways to, to come into our yeah. hands that's awesome um Another easy one. Um, any of your any perspective that has changed for you when when you looked up? Any anything that that's changed in your personal life and views?
1: Um, I think that um, because of my uh, my understanding of uh, our position in the galaxy and the universe, I'm not as bothered by the small things anymore on Earth. So, if somebody cuts me off in traffic, rather than you know being <laughs> upset about it um, it's a it's much more fleeting for me now because I think about where we are in the big you know one little planet and one of eight planets circling a regular star there's 400 billion stars and there's two trillion galaxies and where I'm only occupying a, a 90 or 100 year slice in a 18 billion year old universe I mean my position in space and time is so minuscule as to be almost incalculable. And small things like that, when I put them in the broader perspective, don't bother me the way they used to. Um, So I think it's uh, it's been a stress reliever in some sense. But uh, uh, I don't think that otherwise, I think, uh, obviously, I really enjoy it. I'm retired now, so I'm basically full-time doing astronomy. And uh, uh, it makes me very happy to do that.
0: That's awesome. Um, You're staying connected, and then you're sharing the love with with others so yeah that's that's definitely awesome um and as as you mentioned you have taken uh, like thousands or, or many images now is there a favorite that you have
1: um that's a good question no there are so many that i like and it's uh as i say it's a learning process and the first time you take a picture of a galaxy and you're thrilled that you got the picture and right. it's you know, a little dim thing with maybe faint little arms um, but as you get better you realize well i could have captured more light and shown more detail or maybe if i hadn't uh, adjusted the mount, you know way i did i would the stars wouldn't be not quite circular a little bit egg-shaped or there's always ways to improve the data and then to improve your processing ability on the data so i'll look back at pictures that i took three years ago my first attempts at some of these objects. And now I think, wow, that's a lousy picture. Whereas <laughs> a lay person might think that was a nice picture, but I can see now because I'm more educated, the, the finer minutiae. So I'm always challenging myself to do a better job at taking photographs of uh, you know galaxies and nebula and planets and the sun and the moon and things like that.
0: That's awesome. The astrophotographer in you is trying to come out and try and do a better job. Awesome. Um, cool. Well, that question was put in by my wife, so I'll give her the credit for asking a good question there. <laughs> uh-huh. um, all right. So um, you've been sharing a love of astronomy as we've been talking about, um, and I'm just curious to know, are there, uh, when you're doing these outreach events, are there any um, specific objects that you usually show
1: or start uh, well, with? It depends on, yeah, it depends on the season, obviously, because certain times of the year, certain constellations are visible and sometimes they're in the daytime sky so you can't see them at night so but certainly in general the moon is very popular people love seeing the craters and the mountains on the moon right um, all the planets people even the ones that are the fainter ones so obviously jupiter and saturn are the showcase planets they've got you can see the ring system on saturn and some of the moons and on jupiter you can see the cloud belts and the dance of the moon sometimes a moon transit across the front of jupiter which is really cool but even the fainter planets like, uh, you know, Jupiter and, sorry, uh, excuse me, uh, Uranus and Neptune, even just to show people that little green dot or that little blue dot is actually a planet in our solar system. And then most people have never seen it before. And to see this little field of stars with a little green dot in it and explain, you know, when that was discovered and what the process was of discovery, people find it really interesting, even though visually it's not that impactful, it's not as glorious as Jupiter or Saturn, but just the the fact that it's a rare thing that they've never seen before, people, it resonates with people. Uh, and definitely. then, of course, there are the the the, the showcase uh, galaxies like Andromeda Galaxy and the Whirlpool Galaxy, and then there are the showcase nebula, like the Lagoon Nebula, the Triffid Nebula, and the Eagle Nebula, and the Orion Nebula, and the Horset Nebula. They always look beautiful and they show in color on the screen, which is great. But uh, sometimes there's something which, again, is not visually that impactful but when you explain what you're seeing people are fascinated so for example right now there is a supernova in the galaxy called the ngc 3206 and that's a small galaxy in ursa major near just near the big dipper basically the bowl of the big dipper and uh, with my telescope on tuesday night i pointed it at that and you could see this little tiny galaxy a little blurry core of the galaxy and a couple of tiny arms and then in one of the arms there's a bright dot and I can explain that that bright dot, which is as bright as the combined light of the rest of the entire galaxy, which has hundreds of billions of stars, is a star that just blew up. Now, I say just blew up. It blew up <laughs> 61 million years ago. It took 61 million years for the light to get here. But right. we just saw the light now. It just arrived at Earth about a week ago. And now astronomers can look at it and study it. But to think that one star is as bright as the combined light of hundreds of billions of stars for a short period of time and that we can show it to people is uh, pretty amazing. So even even things that aren't as visually beautiful sometimes when they come along are pretty cool to show and uh, people appreciate that.
0: That's awesome. And I think it also shows, um, um, or rather you're highlighting that we think our world around here is dynamic, but we sort of forget the world outside is also dynamic, things are changing constantly. Sure. And it's sort of amazing to, to showcase that.
1: Yeah, um, absolutely.
0: Curious to know, is, is there any uh, common question that gets asked the most?
1: There are a couple, I guess I'd say I hear almost every night. Um, so I'll often show something and either point to it with my laser or just explain on the screen what it is and how far away it is. And then often people will say, well, how, how do you know how far away it is? Hmm. And uh, I won't go into all, all that now. There's a time. But uh, in, in you know on the earth, we're familiar with the idea of different uh, tools for different distances. So, for example, if you want to measure the length of the business card, you might use a ruler. If you want to measure the length of a dining room table, you might use a tape measure. If you want to know the distance to, from the tee to, uh, to the pin in the golf course, use a laser finder, ranger. And so we have different tools we use for different distances. And astronomers have the same thing. They use different tools they use for different distances. And uh, uh, we actually understand fairly accurately the distance to most objects within about 50,000 light years of the Earth through a process called parallax. Mm. And there's a, a, a ESA satellite called the Gaia satellite that accurately measured the distance to the billion closest stars to the earth which is pretty amazing and with different methods for finding distances to galaxies and things like that so that's one of the questions i get and then of yeah. course people ask about uh, aliens <laughs> I get that a lot, which <laughs> strictly isn't, it strictly <laughs> isn't an astronomy question and there i would give you know my personal opinion not a nasa opinion but um so just very briefly without going into it in detail my personal belief is that the universe is teeming with life Uh, Life meaning, you know, microbial, bacteriological, simple life forms, wherever the conditions are suitable, which there are a lot of places like that. I'm sure that life uh, starts. I think intelligent life is a lot more rare, but it's probably out there too.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It makes a lot of sense. Um, And as you mentioned, uh, could you also talk about, uh, maybe briefly about the NASA Ambassador Program as you are one of the uh, solar system ambassadors?
1: Sure. So NASA's got a program for uh, U.S. citizens called the uh, NASA Solar System Ambassador Program, and it's run out of uh, Jet Propulsion Labs and Pasadena. And uh, the uh, the SSA program takes uh, individuals who have a passion for uh, astronomy and science, and they want to uh, communicate that. And you're expected to do a minimum of four outreach events per year. Uh, I usually beat that doing my 127. <laughs> uh, and you go through they open up applications every September so if you look for Social System, or, uh, Solar System Ambassador on the NASA site, you'll be directed to a certain page and I, I believe September 1 they open up the applications for the following year and you must submit your application within 30 days and then in January they inform you whether you've been uh, accepted into the program. You need several uh, references and you know they'll explain in the process how to do it, but basically, people—you don't have to be an expert. I mean, I was never formally trained in astronomy. I'm not like a PhD astronomer. I'm a—I was an engineer who has a passion for astronomy and studying it while my own life. So I know a lot about it, and I've been—you know—making an effort to do public outreach and social media and astrophotography and so on. And and I got approved pretty quickly. Nice. Yep,
0: that's good to know. Um, and you definitely meet that criteria uh above and beyond so yeah thank you for uh, becoming part of that <laughs>
1: um,
0: maybe uh, uh switching to um you know you, you were definitely doing outreach events and now um for others to also um you know spark the the, the love of astronomy um two use cases for you uh one is for uh, for my almost 5 year old uh who is definitely interested in space mainly because i'm interested in space so how do I keep his interest going?
1: Well, I think first thing I would do is take them on a trip away from the city, as I mentioned before. Find a, a national park or a national monument or the desert or the mountains or someplace where there's no city for 100 miles. And uh, be sure you pick a night when there's no moon in the sky and we've got unobstructed views to the horizons. And they will be astounded at the number of stars they see and the, the detail in the sky. And if you have a little bit of knowledge, and can point out a few of the brighter stars and how far away they are and explain that you know the light from that star left a thousand years ago and just got here tonight. Uh, to me, that's sort of amazing and wondrous. You can point out the constellations, the brighter constellations, and uh, you can even point out the difference between a satellite going through the sky and a shooting star, which, mm-hmm. of course, is a meteor. Explain what that is, and I think you know a child can understand those types of concepts. And uh, uh, you don't need necessarily to start with you know binoculars or a telescope. Just you know the the naked eye is enough, I think, to instill instill a sense of wonder and, and interest. And eventually, if the child shows continued interest in that, then you can look at getting into a you know a simple setup uh, with binoculars or a small telescope and take it from there.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. That it doesn't have to be. An expensive hobby. Uh, It's just literally looking up and having um, Mm -hmm. enough darkness around to actually see some details. Um, And I guess it probably remains, the advice is probably similar for um, older folks who are trying to uh, get into astronomy. Um, Is there any, would, would you change any of that advice?
1: Well, you can obviously go into a little more technical detail with adults. You know, so one thing I do, for example, I'll point at um, Betelgeuse, which is the bright red star that you can't miss in Orion's shoulder. It's a red supergiant star. And I will point out that, you know, that star is expected to explode in a supernova within the next, uh, you know, 10 to 30,000 years. So soon, astronomically <laughs> speaking, maybe not soon enough for us to enjoy, but but at uh, some point soon. And when it does, it's going to create a lot of the elements that uh, we kind of take for granted. So for example, I point out the uh, gold ring on my finger, my wedding ring, mm-hmm. and I say, you know, if you're wearing gold or silver or uh, or uh, you know, nickel or titanium or any of those types of metals, you're basically, you're literally wearing a, me- a metal which is created in the core of a star that blew up. So I'm wearing a right. supernova remnant on my finger. And yeah. that's, that's where these elements above iron in the periodic table come from. They come from exploding stars. And uh, to, to people thinking about that and say, basically, a star blew up in the galaxy, and then after it blew up and it spread its, uh, its innards all over the place, all the elements, you know, the calcium and the phosphorus and the gold and the silver and all the other elements that it created when it blew up, then our star formed from a cloud of gas. And, you know, a billion layers, years later, we had our star and the planet. So where the gold that our that we found in the Earth uh, came from, we mined it came originally from the star that blew up preceding the formation of our solar system. And to right. put that in perspective, it's sort of amazing. People never think about things like that. So you can go into things like that in a little more detail. Uh, you can talk about the fate of our sun, which is not to blow up, but to diffuse into a planetary nebula, show them pictures of planetary nebula, and give them kind of a, a sense of you know vast scales of time and what happens in the universe. So adults are a little easier to communicate those sorts of concepts to than children are. And they're, you know, similarly in wonder about that once it's explained to them.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Getting, getting them to connect to cosmos and finding their connection is definitely, definitely important. Um, And, and the other thing I love about it is that there, there are, um, you know, enough details to get into there. There's so many different things that are happening, different kinds of objects um that you almost it's difficult to run out of um excitement with with finding something new uh so that's definitely interesting um yeah um any advice for uh you know what equipment to consider uh for somebody starting out um in terms of like getting a telescope
1: yeah it depends on whether they want to do visual or astrophotography and whether they're in the city or the countryside or what their budget is. You know, it's kind of like asking what car should I buy? I really have to mm-hmm. ask you some questions first about your level yeah. of interest and your budget. And do you want performance or do you want cargo capacity? <laughs> what are your criteria? And then you can direct them better. Um, if I can be permitted a, a plug, I actually wrote, because I get this question so often, I wrote a very detailed <laughs> article on my website. So if you go to uh, www azastroguy.com and look under uh, Education and Outreach tab, there's an article said uh, how to choose your first telescope. And it goes into a lot of detail, all those sorts of questions. And you can get the answer there, I think.
0: Awesome. Yeah. And I'll, I'll definitely link uh, all of those, uh, uh, your blog and and also your social media accounts. Um, not right. that you're hard to find. You're actually very easy to find, which, is, <laughs> which makes it all very easy. Um, Cool, and, and, and talking about uh, social media, um, I'm curious if you have any uh, social media strategy. Um, you obviously have thousands of followers, um, but, but just curious to know if, if there's anything that you can share there um, um, as you think about social media.
1: Yeah, well, I would say you need to post uh, interesting content and uh, I think you need to post regularly. So I try to post every single day Um, I think I do post my astral quiz every single day. Um, I don't always get a post probably 95% of the time. I'll post every day on other other things. And you want to engage with your followers. So if someone likes your post, you say thank you. If they ask you a question, you respond right away and give detailed answers. Uh, And it's not enough just to engage with your own content, what you need to do is seek out other peers like you, other people who are doing astronomy education or photographs, other astrophotographers, and look at their content and and appreciate when they show a nice picture or they've got an interesting news article, make a comment about that. So I think the algorithm is looking for you to engage in uh, the broader area, not just your own site, not your own just your own uh, social media account. They want to see that you're across the platform engaging with other people so uh, i think as long as your content's interesting and you post regularly and you do some engagement that's going to attract people to your um, site
0: yeah yeah no that 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 makes a lot of sense um and you're definitely doing it right uh with your uh follow account um so that's that's awesome um yeah um and and that's what i that's why i love following your account um, because not only are you sharing wonderful photos, but uh, you add details to that um, and you keep your uh, viewers informed. And, and I think uh, uh, that really helps. Um, and then with your messaging, you're definitely helping more people uh, get connected to Cosmos. So definitely appreciate uh, you doing that. Um, Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and uh, so we'll, we'll uh, end it here. Uh so thank you again for what you do and really appreciate you joining me today.
1: Thank you. My pleasure.